today, written close to 500 years before the event itself known as Palm Sunday, the prophet Zechariah penned in Zechariah 9, verse 9. He said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You think that somebody was there while it was happening live, writing this down, but 500 years before the actual event itself, Zechariah wrote the very thing as if he was standing there watching it happen. And so there it was, Sunday, the 10th day of the month of Nisan, which would be the 6th day of April on our American calendar. The perfect Lamb of God entered into the city of Jerusalem just as Daniel had prophesied. And if you like to file this away in Daniel 9.25, Daniel said that 483 years after the decree went forth to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, that the Messiah would come. He would arrive. Prophesied that 483 years after that actual event, that decree, which was from whom? A man by the name of Artaxerxes Longimanus. He was Artaxerxes the first Longimanus. And he was the man that commissioned Nehemiah to go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. You can read about that in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. So, in Luke 19, verse 36, this is what it says. And as Jesus went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as He was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. They said, teacher, they said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Could you just imagine the rocks crying out? And there was the beginning of that phrase, rock on, literally, right there. And as we enter into this week of remembering the great things that Jesus has done. We enter into what's referred to as Passion Week or Holy Week. This morning, I want to reflect back on a statement that Jesus gave to His disciples back in the Gospel of Matthew. And if you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. It says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, you probably would agree with me that it's one thing to teach somebody something. But it's something entirely different to teach someone even that same thing by giving them an example or furthermore, showing them how to do it. You can be a coach and you're saying, hey, I need you to to get your back elbow up a little bit. I need you to swing through. And it's another thing going over there and showing them what they need to look like. The passage of Scripture we're going to be focusing on today is a prime example of Jesus saying, do as I say and as I do. Listen to this verse from Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. It says, and the Lord... He is the one who goes before you. 
He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And as Jesus, as we're celebrating today, as he rode into Jerusalem, it was his disciples that followed after him. They followed his lead. It was the same God that we just read of previously in Deuteronomy 31, where he goes before you. He is the one that prepares your way. And the disciples had an understanding of what really awaited for Jesus in Jerusalem. Certain death. Jesus was very straightforward with His disciples and letting him know, letting them know that His mission was to die on the cross for the sins of the world. He was very clear. They knew. And even at one point, Thomas said, well, we might as well just go up to Jerusalem so that we can die with Him. They knew that there were enemies waiting for Him in the city. They knew that His mission was to die on the cross for the sins of the world, yet they followed Him in. The first part of what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, He said, if anyone desires. Now, that's the operative word here this morning, and that's why point number one, if you're taking notes, is desires. What are the desires that are on the forefront of your mind? What are the things that consume your thoughts, the things that motivate you to act? Is it sex or money or power? Is it that guy's girlfriend or that girl's boyfriend? Or is it that car or that home or that job or that position or that status? Man, I hope that most of us here this morning would have a desire to be more like Jesus. Saying, I want strength and I want peace. I I desire Christ above everything else in my life. But for all of us though, there are times that it's extremely difficult to take the steps that that desire, you saying, I desire to follow Jesus, it can be very difficult at times to take the steps that that desire necessitates. It's such a terrible thing. It's such a terrible thing. Wouldn't you agree that it is a terrible thing for us to only desire to follow Jesus closely, but never make the necessary effort to do so? The root of all of our problems as Christians comes when our desire to follow Christ does not supersede our desire to please ourselves. Because out of desire, actions are birthed. See, it's at that point when we no longer have a stronger desire to please the Lord than ourselves, it's at that point that we are left paralyzed with desire, but apart from action. See, I can desire something all I want, but my actions will display very clearly the things that I desire the most. Because that which we desire the most will be that which we pursue. I can say I desire this more than anything, but my actions speak louder than my words. If I desire, then I will act. But listen to what John said in 1 John 2.15. He said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever, forever. 
Everything that's in this world is passing away. You can't take it with you. It doesn't last. I think of the story of Lot's wife as they were leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, fleeing from the destruction that was to come. And the angel of the Lord told them, do not look back upon the city. Don't look back. But her heart desired the things of the city. And she looked back and the Bible records historically that she was turned into a pillar of salt. That she was killed that she perished because of her desire for these things that were evil. The same that it is today for us. You know, you know, because our desires can be so strong at times. They can drive us. They can push us. They can control us. But Jesus said, if you desire to come after me, then point number two this morning is deny yourself. Here's your first action in following Jesus. Some people think, well, I need to go and clean my life up. My first act in following Jesus would be to go be a better person and then follow after Jesus. Well, that's actually not what the Bible says. You don't go clean yourself up in order to go follow after Jesus. The first action that Jesus says, if you want to come after me, the first action is this, deny yourself. In 1 John 3.18, it says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We can say that we want to. We can have a desire, but we need to act. We need to act. Sometimes we sit there thinking, Oh man, I wish that I could get in better shape. I desire to be in better shape, but I never go and exercise. Oh, I wish that I could be a better student. I desire to be a better student, but I never open a book to read it and I never study or do my homework. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, let's just face it. We are not accustomed to denying ourselves the things that we want. Are we? I want it all. I want it all. I want it all, and I want it now. As the band queen said so appropriately, the lust of the flesh, the desires for sin are the very things that hinder us from following Jesus closely. Man, if I want this, I should have it. And then I live in a world that says, if you want it, you should have it. And if somebody stands in your way from having something that you want and that you should have, then they need to be removed because I need to have what I want, and I want it right now. I mean, could you imagine if there's two cars ahead of you in the drive-thru? What in the world's going on here? I'm waiting so long to order my food. This is ridiculous. You know how stressful it is when there are four people ahead of you at Ralph's in the, in the checkout line? And that's not even the regular line. That's the self-checkout. And it's even more stressful. Oh, come on, man. I need to get out of here. It's already been one minute and 38 seconds. I want it all. I want it now. I want what the world has. I want that to make me feel good. I want all of these things. But Jesus said, if you really want to come after me, the first act that you need to do is to deny yourself. In Galatians 5.17, it says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So if you desire, then deny. If you desire to follow me, then deny yourself. And when I think of the word denied, I think of a couple of things. I think of, you know, basketball. I think of somebody driving to the hoop and a guy swats it out of there, blocks it. He gets denied. Think of that poor soul, that guy that, you know, mustered up the courage to ask out that girl. And, and she said no. And we all laughed and said, denied. Oh, you know, like that kind of thing. And then I think of what happens here. 
If I want to follow Jesus, I need to shut down. I need to deny my own desires, my own wants. Even the word deny in the Greek literally means this. One has no acquaintance or connection with someone or to forget oneself, lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. To deny yourself. I'm not acquainted with the things that I want to do anymore. I'm very connected to the things that God wants me to do. I'm not connected or acquainted with my interests. I'm connected to the Lord's interests. I'm not focused on myself. I'm focused on my Savior. Denying the things that we want or the things that we need or that we think we should have. Or furthermore, what we desire is the very thing needed to follow Jesus. Denying ourselves, listen to this very carefully this morning, denying ourselves validates our desire to follow Jesus. Our desires will validate or invalidate what we do. Because we'll see that if we say we have a desire and we don't act upon it, then that desire is invalidated. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. He says Jesus suffered in the flesh. means he denied himself. He was the one that said as he sweat great drops of blood, which we'll remember this you know, week. We remember the night in the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweat great drops of blood saying, Father, if it's possible that this cup may pass for me, meaning if there's another way to accomplish this, may it be so, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Denying yourself is painful. It can cause suffering. You're like, man, I need this. Well, what about me? What about my wants and my desires and the things that I just have to have? Well, when it comes to following Jesus, those things get pushed to the side. And it can be painful, but that suffering is the path to being set free from sin and living for the will of God. So often we get caught up in being self-focused about, hey, I need to have this. I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. And then if you find that your desires are conflicting with the will of God, then something's got to give. And if you truly follow after Jesus, you are going to deny yourself, which is one of the hardest things that we can ever do. Why should I deny myself? Why don't they deny themselves? Why don't they change? No, you change. You do what you're supposed to do. And then you will be in good standing before the Lord. And then they will be accountable before God for themselves, just as you are accountable before God for yourself. In Philippians 1.21, Paul wrote and he said, For me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. You will find that as a follower of Jesus, that if you are denying yourself, if you are denying the lusts of the flesh, if you are saying no to the things that you want to do, and in return saying yes to the things that God is calling you to do, that you will find great peace. You will find victory. You will find hope. You will find life. Yet the world will tell you, do what you want. Do what's right in your own eyes. That may be right for them. You do what's right for you. And that never works out. It never brings lasting happiness. It still leaves us with a void. Jesus said, if you desire to come after Me, then you must deny yourself. But what about this little thing? What if I just want to treat myself? Listen, if it's against God, it's not a treat. That's something that's going to leave you beat down. 
Let's get something that's going to hurt you and hinder your walk with the Lord. Can we say like Paul did, for me to live is Christ? And I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, Jesus was giving his disciples an example. He, he, he said, follow me. He didn't just tell them, he showed them. And there they are on the Palm Sunday. They, they go and they, they take that, that donkey. They said that Jesus just told us to say that the Lord has need of, of it. And the owners would say, okay, and take it. I mean, that would be the equivalent of us going into somebody's garage and taking their car and saying, hey, the Lord has need of it. I don't recommend doing that today. Especially not since the chief was just here a couple weeks ago. He already knows what you look like. But the, but the Lord said, you go into that town, you get that donkey, they're going to say, hey, what are you doing as you're taking it away? And just say, hey, the Lord has need of it. And boom, they said, okay, great. They set Jesus on it. He comes riding into Jerusalem. They're waving the palm branches, Palm Sunday. You remember the Assyrian king, Antiochus Epiphanes, a little history background for you, had come in and conquered Jerusalem and even slaughtered a pig in the temple. I mean, talk about a desecration. But there was a family by the name of Maccabees that said, no longer is this going to happen. And these brothers started a revolt and finally they drove Antiochus Epiphanes out of the city of Jerusalem. And they celebrated this freedom from oppression by waving palm branches. And even on the Jewish coins, I think even to this day, you will see palm branches depicted there. And it meant to symbolize freedom from the oppression of sin. The oppressor. To be free from it. Jesus coming in on that Palm Sunday, the one who had salvation with him, would set us free from the oppression of sin, leading us to point number three take up your cross. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Now, what do you think of when you think of a cross? You know, everyone's into the MMA stuff on Saturday nights. You have these mixed martial artists throwing right crosses. You have humanitarian aid workers wearing red crosses. You have thieves with their double crosses and all this kind of thing. But what in the world is he saying? Literally, take up your cross. Those that carried their cross were carrying the instrument of their own demise, their own death. Take up their cross. Jesus, as I already mentioned, was very clear to his disciples about what was in Jerusalem waiting for him. Because he would die on that cross just outside the city on a place called Golgotha, meaning the place of the skull. And this morning, we'll see very clearly how Jesus goes before his disciples, goes before his followers through their greatest difficulties onto their ultimate triumphs. God will go before you in your trials and in your triumphs. Like, He is the one that we're following after. He doesn't abandon you when there's difficulty. He's there with you in the highs and the lows. And the cross, even before Jesus' time, symbolized agonizing death. I mean, that's where we get our word excruciating. Usually as an adjective to describe the noun pain. Excruciating pain. Comes from the root word crucifixion being crucified as you would be nailed there and we celebrate Good Friday. And it was a pretty bad Friday, but it was good for us because it meant that Jesus would be paying the price for the sins of the world. And as he was nailed there, pinned between his wrists and his feet on that cross, many would die of not just the, the blood loss and the pain, but because they couldn't breathe. 
because the weight would press on their diaphragm and they couldn't take a breath and they would literally have to pull up on those nails in order to have their diaphragm be able to function properly in engaging their lungs to take a breath. Now, I know for most of us this morning, taking up your cross wasn't on the list of top five reasons to follow Jesus. I mean, because really, if you think about it, we were interested in, okay, forgiveness of sins. We'll slot that in there at number one. Going to heaven. We'll put that in at number two. That's pretty cool. New beginnings. I have a new life. That's number three. And then number four, God's blessings. And then, okay, maybe two slots. And number five, God's blessings, you know. But picking up my cross? I think more often than not, we don't realize what taking up the cross really means. Sometimes we'll hear people say all the time, oh, it's just my cross to bear. I mean, how many of us have heard somebody say that? Oh, it's just my cross to bear in reference to maybe an underpaying job or having a cold. Jesus isn't referring to the cross as having random difficulties, but rather the acknowledgement of the particular trials and difficulties and persecutions associated directly with our association to him. In Matthew 5:10, Jesus said, "Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." And maybe some of you here this morning have been persecuted or put down, made fun of, isolated, ostracized because of your relationship with Jesus. I mean, for crying out loud, look around us in the world where people are getting brutally murdered because their faith in Jesus. Persecuted for righteousness' sake. Persecuted because they hate Jesus who is inside of them. And that's why Jesus said, a servant's not greater than his master. If they've hated me, they will hate you also. And so you wonder why sometimes we're persona non grata when we're like the number one enemy of society because the society hates Jesus and we have Jesus inside of us. It should not surprise us. Yet, on the other side of the coin, so to speak, some Christians will do very weird things and they will get persecuted for it. And they say, you know what, I'm just getting persecuted for righteousness sake, brother. No, actually, you're just being weird and you get everything that's coming towards you. Like, that's not what he means here. In John 15, verse 20, Jesus said, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So by Jesus saying, take up your cross, we can infer also that there is an option to leave it there. If you ask to say, hey, you take up your cross, that means that there's some sort of choice or action that's involved with it. Like, I could just leave it in the corner. It could just be over there. Though this isn't a preferable or recommended option, nonetheless, it still is an option because we have a choice. Do you desire to follow Jesus? If you're thinking about your life, maybe you're like, you know, I've sinned. I've done things that are wrong. I know that that sin separates me from God. That sin not only separates me from God, but it is punishable by eternal condemnation and damnation. Like, I don't want those things. So what do I do? Because there are people that will acknowledge the existence of Jesus. They'll acknowledge that there is a God. They might even say they believe in God, but they do not follow Him. They might even say, well, I have a desire to be more like Jesus or to be a better person or to get on the right track or however you would want to put that, that, that thought and communicate that feeling across. We need to act. Do you desire to follow Jesus? Do you realize that, that you need to repent and turn from your sin? Deny your own desires. 
Do you understand? Do we understand that we have to choose to pick up our cross in order to get to the place of complete victory over sin and the lust of the flesh? So what does it mean to take up your cross? As you will hopefully understand this morning, we must take up our cross in order to crucify our flesh. We have to. Caring our cross, so to speak, is a heavy reminder of our purpose and the end result in our following Jesus. And you might think, what in the world? The end result of me following Jesus is to die on the cross, so to speak? What's dying on the cross? What did Paul say in Galatians 2.20? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. My old life, my sinful nature has been crucified with Christ on that cross. Jesus said, if you desire to come after me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow after me. And Jesus gave an example for he is the example. He is the same God that goes before you and prepares your way and tells you, do not be dismayed. Do not fear, for I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the one that goes with you into the triumphs of the triumphal entry. He is there when the praise is happening. He's there on Good Friday when the cries are being poured out. He's there on Easter Sunday where he's saying, He lives! We follow Him. And that leads us, leads us to our fourth and final point this morning. Jesus said to His disciples, His followers, to you and to me today, if anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow Me. If I could just put it very simply, if you desire to follow Me, then follow Me. If you desire to follow Me, then follow Me. What does that entail? deny yourself I know but I want that really bad well they have it why shouldn't I have deny yourself but nobody does that to me deny yourself but we're in an argument I need to tell them what's right no deny yourself and all of a sudden you start to see how priorities shift Things that you thought were so important, all of a sudden they start dropping really, really low on the totem pole. And all of a sudden the real priorities, the things that God has planned for you, the the, the good things that come out of a life that is committed to following Jesus come from denying yourself. Oh man, you know, I I, kind of like doing these other things. It doesn't bring you happiness. It doesn't bring you happiness that lasts and it robs you of your joy. Sin leads to death. Doesn't matter how you shake it, how you paint it, how you present it, how you rationalize it. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Jesus. Not just when it's convenient, not just when you feel like it, not just when it suits you. This is a choice that we need to make because otherwise we become cultural Christians. And I pray that that's not the case for any of us. Where we allow society to dictate to us how we should live as Christians as opposed to allowing Jesus to tell us what it's like to be like Jesus. Who is the best one to tell us what a person should be like than the person himself? 
If God has given us His Word, and He says, these are the things I've laid out for you. This is how you can live a life that's fulfilled and live a life that's, that's uh, prosperous and victorious. And these are the things that I have for you. There is not a better place to look to what pleases God than in His Word for us. There's not an ex- a better example than, than Jesus Himself, whom it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. And it goes on to say in 1 Peter 2.22, Jesus, who committed no sin nor was deceit found in His mouth, who when He was reviled did not revile in return, and when He suffered He did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on that cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They hear my voice. Jesus gave us this example. He didn't just tell his disciples, hey, if you want to follow after me, then you deny yourself. Then you take up your cross. Then you do it. He said, let me show you. Because he literally followed the will of his Father as he said, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. And Jesus denied himself. He took up his cross and he was led to that place of dying for the sins of the world. And this is the example that God has given us. This is the example that we are reminded of this morning on Palm Sunday of what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. Now I had mentioned the thing cultural Christianity Meaning I'm no longer living a life of purity and holiness and righteousness, but I'm allowing society to tell me how to live as a Christian. That it's okay to do this. I mean, for crying out loud, we drive on the 405 freeway and they say, buzz driving is drunk driving. That's the world. Yet the Christians, they want to see how close they can get to it and live in lives that are, living lives that are doing things that should not be done. Just my Christian liberty. Man, you know, like this kind of... And you're like, come on, buddy. Like, what's going on? How are our lives different from the world around us if we're doing the same thing that the world's doing yet saying, I'm a Christian? Now, this might be like, whoa, man, this guy's coming down hard today. What's going on with this? Listen, I feel challenged by this. This is the Word of God. And I don't think there's a better time to look at this particular passage than right now. As Jesus said, this is the example. Watch me. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to give you the example. I'm not just going to tell you and try to teach you. I'm going to show you so that you can learn and so that you can apply this to your life. And it's there that we find that harmony with God. It's there that we find that peace that surpasses all understanding. And right now, if you feel like you're starting to sweat great drops of blood yourself, and you're like, oh my goodness. You're a little get hot under the collar here, like, well, you know, and maybe the Lord's speaking to you about certain things in your life. Maybe God's showing you some things that you've never heard before, and you're like, man, is there more to life, or is there a purpose, or what am I supposed to be doing, or, you know, I've made mistakes, I've sinned, or, you know, I've grown up in the church, but there's really no fruit in my life, you know, and the way that I live is just mediocre at best, and what do I do? Where's that sweet spot? Well, it's by denying yourself. 
It's by saying no to the lusts of the flesh. Taking up your cross and following after the one that gave us the example. He's the one we should look to. What does it say in God's word? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We serve a living God. We serve a personal God who loves us and gave himself for us. Listen, it might cause you pain. It might cause you suffering. It says that Jesus suffered in the flesh and for us to deny ourselves, sometimes that's painful. Actually, most often, it's painful because we become accustomed to say, man, I need this, I need that, and I want this now. And the Lord says, deny yourself. Because you can't follow me and you can't follow the things of the world simultaneously. It's one or the other. You're either in or you're out. There's no middle ground. And so today, let's make that choice to follow Jesus. Follow him. If you don't know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior, you can commit your life to follow him today. If you've walked away from the Lord and maybe you're in that place where you know what, I'm convicted by this. This is absolutely true from the word of God and I know that I need to change. Then rededicate your life to Jesus today. Give your life to him. And then you will find that God's plans are better than you've ever dreamed or imagined. Better than you've ever heard anybody talk about. Better than you've ever seen anywhere in your entire life. And it comes through denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following after him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, God, that you have given us that example. Lord, you have given us now this opportunity this morning to reevaluate, to look at our lives honestly and ask ourselves, Lord, are we all in? Are we following you? Are we denying ourselves? Are we taking up our cross or are we leaving it there in the corner? I ask God that today we would make that conscious decision to follow after you, understanding that the very first action there that's described in Matthew 16, 24 is deny yourself. Deny yourself. Lord, I ask God that if there are any here that do not know you personally, Lord, any that are watching this service live, Lord, or that will watch this at a later time, if they don't know you personally, maybe they know of you or know about you, but don't know you personally today, I ask God that they would make that decision to put their faith in you. To ask you to forgive them of their sins and to start a relationship personally with you today. I pray, Lord, for any that may have walked away from you. Lord, maybe they have a great head knowledge of the stories of the Bible, the truths found in Scripture, but that distance from their head knowledge to their heart has not yet been traveled. I ask, God, that you would make them alive spiritually. May they put their faith in you. And with every eye closed and head bowed, if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus personally, and you would like to, and you want to be forgiven of your sins. And you're like, yeah, I remember those slots, you know, forgiveness of sins and going to heaven and a personal relationship with God and God's blessings. And man, I want those things. But also understand that this is a serious thing where you deny yourself, repent and turn from your sin and follow after Jesus. But if you're here 
and you know that you need Jesus and you want to be forgiven of the wrong things that you've done that are called sin, then I'm going to ask you with every eye closed and head bowed. I'm going to ask you to give your life to Jesus. And if you want to do that, and if you want to make that choice today, then I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand wherever you're at and say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus today and I want to be forgiven of my sins. Just raise your hand wherever you're at because I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And church, I'm going to ask you just to pray for those that are making this decision. And also, I'm going to ask if you're here and you've walked away from the Lord, just be real and understand like, man, I have. And you want to come back to the Lord today? Would you raise your hand as well and say, yes, that's me. I need to recommit my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand as well today? I'm going to pray for you right now. So whether you're coming back to the Lord or coming to the Lord for the first time, I'm going to ask you to please raise your hand as I pray for you. Lord, I pray for these that have raised their hands and I ask God that you would please now empower them with that faith, Lord, that they need to put in you And that then you would give them that empowerment, Lord, as well to deny themselves so that they might take up their cross and follow after you. Lord, I ask God that they would understand this morning that the cross means death to self. The old life, the old woman, the old man, crucified with Christ, we know that it doesn't end there because on the third day, Jesus rose again into newness of life, conquering sin, conquering death. And that's the same thing that applies for these that have decided to turn from their sin and follow after you. I pray, Lord, if there's any last ones here this morning that need to make that commitment to you, that they would raise their hands as well, Lord, and say, yes, that's me. I need to give my life to you. And for those of you that have raised your hands, and even if you didn't this morning, and you need to get right with the Lord, then I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you just to repeat this prayer after me. You can put your hands down and just mean this in your heart as you pray after me and say, Dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned and that I've done wrong things. But I ask that you would forgive me of that sin and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you love me that you died on the cross for me and that now you have forgiven me of all the wrong I have ever done. Would you fill me with your love and your joy and your peace? And would you give me your strength that I may be who you've created me to be? For I give you my life today. In Jesus' name.